Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd. We talk all these stars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 240, we're discussing the best of Spider-Man in film. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. Carlos. I'm Sanjay. Aw, dudes, we got another great episode to pack in so much Spider-Man talk. We've got all these rumors swirling about the inclusion of characters like Doctor Strange, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man just for Troy. Mm. And we're going to use that. We're going to talk about that and build on the conversation from last week. And we're going to expand that into discussing what now could be canonized Spider-Man film into the MCU, into the multiverse, and talking about our favorite moments and the best of Spider-Man in film. From everything from Raimi's Spider-Man, 2002, all the way to Far From Home. All-encompassing discussion on the highlights, on the best of from the Spider-Man franchises that could potentially all be conversing into one big on-screen live-action Spider-Verse. Very exciting stuff, guys. I'm super stoked to get into it. And then, of course, we got the goddamn Batman here. We've got Sonny Steelbooks, and we've got Craven the Hunter. Everyone's here and ready to go, ready to talk Spider-Man. But, guys, first things first, like we always do at the top of these episodes, we got to talk about our week's at Nerd. It's been a quiet week on the hunt for me after a few very, very large and long weekends. But guys, I, I know there's a, some crazy stuff out there. There's some fig hunting. There's some comic books. Let's get into it. You know, there's a story teased here right off the top, or actually before we started recording, and I got to go first to my man, Troy. Like, you, you've got me salivating here a little bit on some hunt stories, some comic books. Man, what's been going on with you? this past week in nerd yeah man you know i guess the hunt for me got real right after or the day after we recorded last week um i don't know where to begin man it was a is a kind of a slow week but it was a good week uh my man the goddamn batman sends me a message and he's like yo man outside dude i got something for you i rent my door asap <laughs> open this box off and boom he hits me man with dc's mcfarlane multiverse the Grim Knight Batman, and this guy is gold. Um, Carlos and I have been raving for a while now, since January, about this line from McFarlane, and it's crazy, man. Each figure this guy puts out, each Batman figure this guy puts out, gets better and better. Um, I know I've been one in the past to be like, we need more characters outside of the Bat family, but this guy right here just changes it, man. It changes it. Um, for anybody out there that doesn't really know what the character looks like. And I guess Carlos already went into it before, but he basically, it's like picture Batman with like a Punisher setup going on, man. This guy is fully loaded with all sorts of guns and uh, just his overall look, but the articulation suite. Um, it's just a cool kind of Batman. That's so different than everything else that I have in my, my room. Cause everything normally is just like the standard gray and black Batman or the gray and blue. But um, this guy's different, man. I really, really dig it. So, Carlos, thank you so much, man, for, uh, for scooping me with that, man, because that's a, that's a gift. That's a gift right there, man. Oh, uh, my pleasure, man. I'm, I, like, I was opening those figures, and I was loving them so much. I, I couldn't resist. I made my kid, like, leave a few minutes early <laughs> music <laughs> lesson, so we could drop it off. Like, the, yeah. I just wanted to share the love. Yeah, um, man. Those figures are next level. Like, just even little stuff with that one, like his, like, shiny boots. Yeah. I, I love it, man. I can't, I can't get enough of it. Um, so, yeah, Grim Knight Batman – 
Um, I picked up the Zazzy Beats uh, Domino from the Deadpool Ooh, 2 nice. movie, Marvel Legends. I found her. And, and the card backs for these things are incredible, man. The red card back on there, it's just, it looks so good displayed front to back, sideways. There's, there's so much art around that thing. So um, picked her up. I've yet to open her, but I will definitely start playing around with that soon. Um, and Kijiji, you already know what it is, man. No shame in my game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I went out, man. I've been looking for this figure for quite some time because um, I'd gone to the Marvel Legends kind of late. And I found online the um, Captain America first Avenger getup, basically, from the first movie, uh, Marvel Legend. Uh, found it for like, I think it was 20 bucks. So it was a steal, man. It's it pretty cheap. It was loose. There was, no, there was no box or anything, but he came with a shield, which is all you need. I think he came with his pistol, too for that look um did a quick little head swap just took off the original helmet and put on i don't know which captain america head i put on there i think is a worthy cap from the toys R Us exclusive and uh man I, I just i love this figure i think the body still holds up pretty well i would just love to see them you know reattack it and give us an updated version much like they did with the um the end game captain america that we got from avengers where they kind of re-updated that figure a little bit yeah, it's, go it's, back. it's a much older figure, right? Because that's from yeah. the 2014 release. But that figure was originally released in 2011. With You remember how I was talking last week about the, the Avengers figures, the movie series? So the, yes. that goes back to that movie series. It might have been 2010 that it was released wow. before the first Avenger came out. And so that was in that original few, I believe it was in that original few uh, runs of, of the movie series there. And then that dropped into... I think it was the Winter Soldier wave that came yes, in. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. as part of like another the, cool uh, cap because the Winter Soldier cap is sweet too with like the stealth suit. Right? Yeah, that had quite a few yeah. caps in that because I had the Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier cap, the Black Widow, that yeah. Captain America, and, and there's Bucky. a few. Yeah, there's a few yeah. comic uh, figures as well in there. I think there's a Hydra Soldier and a few others. Yeah, yeah that was, yeah, that was so a good run. It's good. Yeah, no. So I'm, I'm so glad I got my hands on that guy, man. Um, so that's it for the toys, for the action figures. But um, uh, I picked up a lot of books, man. I picked up this um, Chris Claremont Return to X-Men, X-Men Forever. Um, I know nothing about this book. It's just a trade paperback. It has one to five issues. I can't get enough of the X-Men right now, so I'm going to check that out. Uh, for my boy, Tim, I finally jumped into yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Brian Michael Bendis. Um, again, I don't know what to expect, but... It looks cool, man. The Guardians. Who doesn't like the Guardians? So, it's um, a great jumping on point. It when is, eh? You're coming out of the films, right? It's not like that original 07, 08 run. Right. Where you had the Guardians and Annihilation and all that. But it was when Guardians, you know, garnered all this popularity back in 2014. And then Bendis jumped into the book and they relaunched it. There's some really great stuff with, there's, I won't spoil anything. There's a yeah. couple cool cameos of people you don't really expect to be there that show up. And yeah, it's, it's well, just good... off the cover. Right? I, I like it. Cause we get Iron Man. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if that was yeah. on the cover or not. That was the character. Yeah. You get kind of yeah. the space, space armor and all that. And... Space armor, which is cool because Iron Man was so big that we have him in this book. And I think Tony's physically present there. Yeah. But then on Earth's Avengers team, we have Iron Man's black and gold suit, which is being operated by Tony uh, via with the Guardians. So I think yeah. that's super cool how they had that going on. So um, I knew what happened on Earth with Tony, but I have no idea what happened with him and his adventures with the Guardians. So I'm stoked, man. I'm, I'm totally stoked uh, for that one. So that's like, that's two trade paperbacks. And then I also picked up uh, X-Men and Fantastic Four. Uh, this is pretty cool. I actually finished it today. Basically, it's a little bit of a conclusion of uh, with the House of X, Powers of X, where Scott Summers has a few cool words 
towards the Fantastic Four, basically explaining that, you know, when your son's of age, when he's 18, we're taking, um, we're taking him. We're taking Franklin Richards because he is a mutant and he's going to join us X-Men. So here we kind of follow up and have this little battle between the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. I'm not going to spoil anything, but the end panel, man, the dialogue between Charles Xavier, Magneto, and Reed Richards is just fire. Like, mic drops all on the house, man, from uh, the X-Men. Cool. It is, is so cool. So cool, man. So, Is that one a one-shot? Um, it's only four books. It's only four books, and it's fairly okay. new. So even if you want the single issues, or if you just do Comixology, man, super easy, quick read. Like, the, uh, the action sequences are decent, but it's really, it's just the dialogue. It's just really cool to see the exchange between mutants and Fantastic Fours, and no Avengers in there at all. It's, it's, it's super cool cool man such a great read and franklin's depowered in this so you kind of get a it's just a nice story man four issues easy cool. easy i check that for sure yeah and um my last one man uh, i can't i can't be on this podcast and not talk about issue 100 of tion's batman um finally concluded man joker war joker war so i mean i mean carlos feel free to jump in here man but um i finished this one i saw there's a lot of hate online about the book and i gotta say as a whole, like, event comic, I think it was cool. I really liked the first couple issues. I thought the art, the art did not let me down by any means. It was incredible. But I feel like the ending was kind of not a letdown. It was, just, it was just cool. It feels like something that maybe Tom King should have ended his run in, and then we could have had Tion pick up. Yeah. But um, overall, I feel like if you don't kind of think of it as a big, big event, I think it's great. Like, if this is just, like, another story in the Batman mythos, it's cool. Um, the stakes weren't really there, though. I thought we were going to get some kind of, like, major change in the status quo. And I think we kind of did a little bit. But not enough to, like, what, honestly, Tom King did with Alfred, which I'm not really trying to spoil anything. But I think we all know what happened with Alfred. And I think there was a lot more weight to the city of Bane than there was with Joker War. And, I, and I'm definitely not the biggest Tom King guy. <laughs> but if I had to compare the two, I would have to probably give it to, yeah, City of Bane, man. But overall, I like this story. It just feels like a weird story to start your runoff with, if that makes any sense. Yeah, he kind of teased it up, though, because there's those, like, if you look at the dialogue from the Joker in the last few panels, and then <laughs> when he's, like, in the epilogue kind of piece, too. Yes, yes. Um. And then so with that, coupled with I read the synopsis for the next issue, like 101. Yeah. It, like the major change and the major shift in the status quo kind of is something that you could almost argue that Joker won the Joker War. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah with how it plays out or how it's going to play out. And even just like some of the cool little things like with uh, Clown Hunter. Yes. Yeah. And like his origin what he's all about and just like that character was i haven't read a character like that like ever yeah yeah i thought that was pretty cool actually i like actually like in the middle of the book or even early in the book it's like joker makes it clear like i've already won like i already did what the damage that i need to do which was kind of a cool idea instead of just seeing like the book kind of unfold and batman saves the day he really like he did but is almost too late um i wish we kind of got to hold on to the idea of joker not popping up so soon again though i don't know what it is and it's not just batman's fault i feel like it's comic books in general we're they're so scared to like kill off a character and then they show him right away in the next panel so it's like okay like cool <laughs> on the cover of the next book <laughs> on the, yeah like and we, we see it over and over again and it's not just batman we've seen this before we, we even saw it in scott snyder's um 
mm-hmm. the book they did where um when they basically transitioned commissioner gordon into batman the final the final like event remember for that one oh, i think it's bruce heavy. wayne sorry super heavy that was like gordon as batman yeah oh, the yeah. one before that though so the reason why gordon becomes batman Oh, oh okay. death in the family. Death, death, uh, death yeah, in the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's death in the yeah. family because basically, like the next panel, because we think like Batman and Joker both like killed each other, and then the next panel we see Bruce and a guy that looks like Joker sitting on the bench together, and we're like, "Well, I wonder who that is." And it's like, "Yeah." Okay. <laughs> so nobody died. That one is called Endgame. Ironic. Endgame. Endgame. <laughs> yeah. How did I forget that? And it's a great book. I I love that one. That one. That one was pretty cool. But at least for that, they we we had. Batman and Joker both out of their status quo for quite some time. Yeah. Whereas here, but I, I liked it overall. And I don't know why people would really hate on this book. I just feel like it was just, it was, it was cool. It was good. It wasn't bad. I, th- I think the reason people hated on it was because it's funny for me to kind of sit back as somebody who's been in the chair, like maybe a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of seeing like those guys who grew up on the 50s, 60s, 70s comics when the 80s, 90s stuff started going off. Okay. The complaints that they had. Now I'm seeing the kids that jumped in with like Batman, the animated series and the nineties, two thousands type books. When they mm-hmm. make these kind of changes, it's like, what do you mean Batman lost? Like he, he can't lose. Like, <laughs> he can't divide by this. And what do you mean you didn't just fix everything that Tom King changed in the status quo? That's not a, and it's like, dude, it's, 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 it's funny for me to just kind of have, have seen this twice. Right. And no doubt. Yeah, it sounds very similar to Star Wars as well. Like (laughs) OT prequels suck. Prequels are the best. Sequels sucks. Yeah, yeah. Armchair in the same thing, right? So whatever you grow up with and whatever you get entrenched in becomes, you know, the only way the character can can continue. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. My last thing here. I know I've gone on a little too long, but my last thing I have to mention is um, two strong points in this book: Batman One Hundred, Oracle. The Return of Oracle was was brilliant and probably like my favorite thing. Um, I thought Barbara Gordon just nailed it. To see her on deck commanding the whole family, I was like, whoa, give me her series right now. And of course, my boy Nightwing. Nightwing has not felt like this since probably Rebirth started. It's been so long. So it's really cool to have Nightwing come in there and just like show Punchline where to go. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> so th- those were my, my two standouts right there. Yeah. Ooh, one intense week. I love that focus on comic books, man. Yeah, yeah. It gets me excited for the fat stack I'm looking at here. I'm, I'm so far <laughs> behind on everything, and it's it's just kind of clear on the path here. And, and luckily, here in Calgary, I don't know, maybe luckily or not, just snowed. So it Ugh. means winter is coming, and Ugh. which means even more time inside. <laughs> so maybe I'll get to those comic books. But uh, but Carlos, my man, what's going on over at the, the Batcave there this this past week? Yeah, man. It, you know what? It was kind of a continuation of last week to, in many regards, like, cause I was just savoring opening up those Dark Knight Metals figures. And so as I was going through and posting them on the show's Instagram or whatever, it inspired me to go back and reread the, the one shots for each of those individual Dark Knights. So the different versions of Batman that I was unboxing, but um, in doing so, I just ended up going on comicology and if anybody's kind of interested with those figures i posted or think the characters are cool and whatever um there's a trade on there it's called dark knights rising and it's basically a collection of all the one shots for each of those characters and it just kind of tangentially connects to the main series but they're pretty self-contained stories given a 
origin as to why that particular Bruce Wayne had his downfall and whatnot. And yeah, it's on Amazon and stuff for like 30 bucks or it's like on Comicsology for it's like 225 pages and it's like $7 Canadian. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beat that. No, exactly. And they're cool characters and the stories are super neat. So yeah, I ended up reading that and um, was enjoying these figs and then it was actually Star Wars, believe it or not. So I ended up uh, just sitting outside music lessons, ironically, the same day that the Grim Knight showed up on Troy's doorstep. <laughs> yeah, and, man. Um, catching wind of the Mandalorian being available on Big Bad Toy Store. So ended mm-hmm. up doing a nerd crew buy for some mm. BBTS stuff and save on the ship in there. So yeah, we did. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Best car Mando for Timbo, one for myself, a regular Mando for myself. Um, Power Ranger for Troy. Yeah. And then the only downfall was cause my kid was there. She ended up adding some porgs to the, <laughs> to the order. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully soon we get, uh, the Mandalorians in hand and shout out to Jared for tossing yes. us a message offering to go out on the hunt for us this week. But uh, yeah, I think all things being equal, mind you, I had this thing locked up before and it never showed up. But... Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, I'm hopeful. And then uh, yeah, my poster switch up that I posted on Twitter, mm. the very first star Wars poster in my collection. And I just love this thing. I ended up like kind of switching just... seats at the dinner table and just staring at it all the time. Cause yeah, it is beautiful. And like, I thought it would be one and done, but I'm like, you know what? If this if this young lady makes an Empire Strikes Back one or mm-hmm. Force Awakens one, or even a prequel one, like I wouldn't mind like mm-hmm. having one from each of those trilogies or Ooh. yeah, we'll see. Like sky's the limit with that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's a beautiful poster. So I'm pretty happy that I landed that one. But yeah. It's it's but yeah, the Star Wars stuff that you've been posting there, it's it's crazy. Like the that poster is unreal and your commitment to Beskar Mando. It's it's next level. Like I'm telling you, it's, the, the goddamn Batman's become no. the goddamn my Mandalorian. <laughs> I know, man. My Mando. Bought, bought a child for my daughter. Bought her some Mandalorian grapes from the store. <laughs> there's gonna be some Beskar Mando armor behind you sooner or later. I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he like I said, I, I staked him out. He's he's the goddamn Batman of a galaxy far, far away. So 100. percent love it man i love it i love the commitment to the beyond as well in that poster swap out you get some ghostbusters in there some but was it batman beyond you've got star wars the classic mickey man with the ghosts oh yes oh yeah ghosts yeah Yeah, and rapunzel was the last one i know somebody messaged yes i did catch that yeah yeah Yeah, it took me a minute to look at it sideways and saw the hair yeah yeah beautiful (laughs) stuff man that poster game is is next level you've got Mm. going on there thanks man Oh, I love it. What about you, Mario? <laughs> Me, Mario. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to talk oh. about the, the retro film review vote here in a second. But for those that are listening, which is all of you, Sanjay has shown up at the podcast here with a mustache. To yeah, try to, you know, uh, I just, <laughs> I think it works, man. I think it works. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I recently cut my hair. I had, I had very long hair, like shoulder length hair and you know, I was a little bit sad that I had to say goodbye so to the jealous. hair. And this is just one way to like, you know, relive my glory days to like keep my, you know, it's getting cold. So I got to keep my lip a little bit warm, you know, a little bit like a fuzzy caterpillar <laughs> up there. It's, it's working for you the same way it does for Mario, but. 
You know, we'll, we'll let the people decide. Yeah, well, they're never going to see the her. The problem is that it does work for him the same way it does for Mario. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, man, no, but I got Toucan, you know, I don't have the hair out. But, you know, I think it works. I look like a young Howard Hughes or a young, um, well, I don't know, like a young, like, older person that had mustaches. I, 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 I don't know. You know, think of someone who looks good in a mustache and picture them young, and that's, that's me. Freddie Mercury. We'll go with Freddie Mercury. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I sing just like him. Yeah, man. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Um, yeah, man. No, my week is good. I'm going to kick us off with a little bit of a mini review. So um, it's Halloween. You know, it's the month of October. Halloween's coming up. And so what better mini review than to do a horror film? So um, the movie I'm going to be reviewing is called The Honeymoon Phase from Dark Sky Films. And I'm going to do my best not to spoil this because I am the man of spoilers. So I promise <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Just... That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do my best just to, um, you know, give my honest thoughts of the film and um, a little bit of the plot. So um, <laughs> I know you guys no, are No, you're not supposed it. to give the plot. <laughs> no, well, you got to give a little bit of the plot. Like you can't just like Two line synopsis and... is all you're allowed. How much? Two words. Two line, two line synopsis. Oh no! This is this is like three, four, five, six paragraphs. Two, one, seven. <laughs> add add a toe. Nine. Like. And they all die at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! It was a dream the whole time. No kidding. Um, so the film starts out. There's a scientist, and he's doing the study. You know, um, he's saying. Um, when people first get married, they're so happy, right? They're in this honeymoon phase. And he's like, why can't that last forever? So he, he enlists these couples and he says, if you want to be involved in the study, I'll give you $50,000. And all you have to do is spend a month together in isolation with your spouse. You just did Sounds that for six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, I, I, I don't know if this film um, was shot I before um, the lockdown or during or after, but I definitely get vibes of, you know, kind of our life right now, um, living in isolation. And so these this couple, you know, they're not actually married. Um, this is all at the beginning of the film. So it's definitely not spoilers. Um, you know, they're not actually married, but they say like, you know what, we could we could do this. And, uh, you know, we, we could really use the money. So of course, they sign up and they get picked and uh, things start out great it's a horror film things always start out great but you know something something goes awry and you're not really sure who to trust and what unfolds is this mystery of this couple and you're just like okay i don't know if i should trust him do i trust her do i trust the people running the study what's going on it's all kind of this this mystery that's wrapped up in it and you know what i gotta say in terms of like horror films i'm pretty like desensitized you know, like I could watch Hostel and not Bad an Eyelash. I can watch um, Centipede, Human Centipede. Human Centipede. I haven't seen that one, but <laughs> I've seen Martyrs. So if you've seen Martyrs, you've seen everything. That film is so messed up. Um, this film has some very brutal moments. Like if you're squeamish, you know, there's there's this one scene in particular where I was like so <laughs> close to turning my head. It it would. Oh my goodness, this one scene. And if you watch the film, you'll know what scene I'm talking about. It it was almost too much for me, but like but like man, like this this film 
I feel it was really good. just just hearing you explain it like i don't, I don't <laughs> it's just like zero details in there and my stomach is already upside down <laughs> you're just like picturing it in your head but uh, when you watch this film you will know which scene i'm talking about i was just like oh man that's like an intense scene and it was it was very well done um so if you want like a good horror film to check out this halloween season really recommend this one it's got vibes of the shining just with um you know some of the similarities with a couple and um the the husband is also working on a book much like the shining so i I definitely noticed like a little bit of vibes in there and which was great and i you know i think the house that they had in this film looks spectacular and i was just like looking at it it looks so idyllic and i think that's kind of why this film worked for me because if someone said hey you get fifty thousand dollars so you got to spend a month just with your wife you know you have no obligations you don't got to work you have no kids, you have no job, nothing. All you do is just hang out, watch movies, maybe do one or two other things. I don't know what that would be. Um, but, you know, that'd be pretty amazing. If, if you like your spouse, right? Like, if you like your spouse, like, that sounds pretty great, right? What if it's a Obviously. stranger, though? Because in, in the movie's case, it's a stranger, right? Oh, well, they're not, they're not strangers, but, like, they're not married. So, like, they do know each other, and they're, like, friends. And I, uh, okay. I, I wasn't 100% sure. I think they were dating or they were engaged. Okay, um, but they okay. weren't like officially married as I think they just kind of like said they were married in okay. order to get like the does, money, but they definitely, they weren't strangers. Like they definitely knew each other. Does this take um, place between March 15th and April 15th, 2020? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, actually this thing actually is a pretty good like Christmas horror film because like it, there is like Christmas, like they are um, isolated during Christmas. So this film also would work during Christmas. If you're having a Christmas horror marathon, I would suggest that um where to watch this you know check it out on apple tv or itunes and it just came out on dvd in the usa not quite sure if we're getting a physical release in canada yet or not that's still uh, up in the air but you know i highly recommend this film and watch it with your wife I, or, or your husband you know watch it with your spouse i think it would be kind of fun to watch it with them and yeah i just had a blast with this i thought it was such a good film kept me guessing and it scared me at parts and made me laugh at other parts so check it out that's my mini review of the honeymoon phase from dark sky films do, do they win money by like executing the month plan or do they just win money right away once they're qualified to be on the no like so like once you do the like uh month then i think you get it at the end oh, okay yeah okay yeah. So, so it's like you gotta like survive, I guess, like a month with you. Like a your... Hunger Game kind of thing. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Like, like in theory, it should be pretty straightforward, right? Right. In theory. Yeah. All I right. I mean, that's that's what that's what I tell my wife. Like in theory, yeah, we could do this, but uh... <laughs> you did it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we had kids, so I mean, yeah. them. It's even easier for them. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what else have I been checking out? Um, you know. I'm going to talk about uh, Under the Radar. I know we always talk about Marvel, Star Wars, DC. This is another comic book film. I think, I can't remember who put this one out, but it came out this year. I don't think it was Image. It may have been Valiant or Variant, um, but Bloodshot. That's Image, isn't it? Is that Image? Is that Image? Valiant. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. I'm going to defer to Carlos on this one. Yeah, 100%. I already did. I already did myself, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean this this film, you know, it doesn't break the mold. Like it's not um Endgame or it's not the Dark Knight, but nor does it set out two tries. It's not two of the best comic book movies of all time. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's just like a solid comic book movie. You throw it in, it's got like I think Vin Diesel is actually really good in this. Like I actually really dig Vin Diesel. I don't know. I just really 
think he's pretty cool. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, man, like the action was good. The story was good. The humor was good. Um, I really enjoyed like the story where it set it up. And the one thing I will say is if you go into this, please stay away from the trailer. Um, I had watched the trailer because I was planning on seeing this in theaters before the whole world got shut down. Um, but the trailer really gives away like the main twist. Like you think of I spoil stuff. This trailer gives away like the big twist that doesn't occur until like an hour into the film where if I had not seen the trailer, it would have been more impactful. But because I did see the trailer, I knew it was coming. So like the first hour of the film, I just kept waiting and waiting for this twist because I was expecting it. Um, so I would definitely say stay away from the trailer if you haven't seen it. But yeah, man, it's a solid film. Like I know nothing about this character. I just know what he looks like. I remember seeing his comic up in stands in the 90s. Uh, in comic book shops and I thought man this guy looks pretty cool he's got like the the red circle uh, on his mm -hmm. chest like a bullseye and man I thought it was pretty good um yeah and besides that uh, my pickup my big pickup this week is um the Friday the 13th collector's box set got released so it's all 12 films all on blu-ray um with um specialized like they redid the third one uh, Friday the 13th part three which was done in 3d and as well they threw in together a couple of the uncut films like uh, Friday the 13th part nine Jason goes to hell and I think um, the reboot the 12th one Friday the 13th they have the uh, killer cut and as well as the theatrical cut and then a whole special disc um, special disc of special features and it comes in this awesome box set and that's like amazing artwork of like Jason and you know all the different forms that he takes and uh Man, I, I really am super excited with the sets. So I picked it up at Sunrise Records here in Canada, and whew, man, it looks fantastic. And the cool thing about this one is uh, each movie is on its own disc. So they didn't, in the past, they would like combine like the sixth and seventh film into like one disc or something, right? And you know, that's fine. But like this one, each one gets like respect. Like each film gets its own release, it's in its own separate case, and it just looks beautiful nice. on the shelf. I love it, man. I'm a sucker for those kind of things. Like the little details to me make such a difference. I don't know, like it doesn't really like change that much, but for me it does because it's like, I don't want to like have like two movies on the same disc. I know I'm kind of like nitpicking, but like, I don't know, man. It just kind of looks nice when you have like all of them lined up together in their individual um, cases. And um, the last thing I will hit on here is I promised you guys a family horror uh, marathon and um, I didn't deliver that yet so you know if you want to like watch a horror movie with the kiddos stay away from the honeymoon phase um, <laughs> um, but if you want to watch a film with the kiddos this you know October season and they're just you know they're young and they're not really like ready for Texas Chainsaw Massacre or anything like that I have some films that you could recommend that some are like horror some are horror adjacent so um the first one would be Disney's Coco. I think that oh, yeah. one would be like a good good Halloween one. You know, it deals with, um, was it the Day of the Dead um, yep. in Mexico? Um, and um, the little boy. And I think this was a fantastic film and so heartwarming. And, you know, it's, it's a good like intro to horror. Like something like this would be like a good intro where it's like, it's got skeletons, it's got ghosts. So I recommend that. Good the twist next too, eh? It's a good twist in that movie. Oh my goodness, right? yes. Yeah, no so idea, good. Man. No idea. So good. And and the ending of Crying for Days. Mm. Crying for, for Days, <laughs> man. Legit. 
and uh, so the next one I'm going to go with is the Goosebumps film from Jack Black. So he, Jack Black plays R.L. Stein, and you know he moves next door to these kids, and they're like, man, something's up with this guy. And everyone read Goosebumps. That's my age, at least. Everyone read Goosebumps growing up as a kid. Love those, like all the Scholastic Orders and stuff, man. Yeah. So good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, covers? Had, like the bubbles on it when you yeah, yeah man yeah. Cool. so terrifying so, oh yeah. yeah man like i still remember like night of the living dummy like the snowman the puppet Pasadena. the puppet right puppet yes. yeah yeah right uh-huh. monster blood say cheese and die um say cheese and die two <laughs> attack of the fromage uh <laughs> um so that would be the second one you know that one there you know maybe like not super young but you know if you're over eight i think you should be fine probably even over six you should be fine and and the last one is probably one of my favorite not just horror films but just one of my favorite films of all time and that's hocus pocus man i was gonna Mm. say are you gonna include hocus pocus on yeah man hocus pocus i think i own like four copies of this movie but it is just so (laughs) only you can't i'm not not buying a mcfarland too expensive but four copies of hocus pocus well i gotta get i still have the dvd i have the digi book i have the steel book and then now i gotta get the 4k so (laughs) before there um man i love this film like growing up as a kid like I remember I saw this, I think it must have been like on the Disney channel or what, but I saw this and I just immediately fell in love with this film. It's just so good. And like Bette Midler's in it and she's fantastic and Sarah Jessica Parker's in oh, it. Oh yeah. Is it Disney or is it Touchstone? I think it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. Oh, is it the same yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah. So, so like, this is like a weird film that like it came out and like Disney or Touchstone had no idea what to do with this film. So they released it in theaters in July and of course it like bombed (laughs) like no one went to go see it and then they're like okay and then like once people found this out on like home video or blockbuster or on tv people like man this is like a solid good family halloween film and man just so quotable just so iconic so you haven't seen hocus pocus yet do yourself a favor check it out this halloween you will not be disappointed and as i said you know if you have any other suggestions for a family horror film marathon you know, shoot me an email, shoot me a tweet, let me know. Or if you want me to do another um, marathon of horror movies, uh, Halloween is fastly approach- approaching, and you have another idea you want me to do, it could be anything. It could be horror movies that start with the letter R. It could be, you know, horror movies with werewolves. It could be anything. You shoot me um, an idea, and I'll do my best to give you uh, my personal horror marathon suggestion. Science so, Steelbooks has got you covered. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm just like, just like 7-Eleven. I'm always open. Does that make sense? Until it closes at 11. <laughs> 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 all right. You could be Allstate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Like a good neighbor, Allstate is there. You're in good hands. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the is one? <laughs> you could do like the voice of the guy. Allstate, you're in good hands. Oh man, that sounded so good, right? Hey, were you the president in Twenty Four? No, you sounded just never never seen it. Never seen the show. A couple more white claws until we get the Mando. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, boys, I'm gonna wrap us up this weekend. Luckily, I had a very short week. It was uh, two main things, you know. After the Kijiji Han, ain't no shame, Troy, man, in our Mm -hmm. games here, and uh, I, I was out getting ready to do a Kijiji hunt and. I got a bit antsy here, guys. I, I've been hearing a lot and you know, looking at Carl's collection, looking at Troy's collection, thinking I made this promise myself for several years. But I pulled the trigger on the first 
hot toy that will be entering my nerd room here, hopefully oh, within the next yes. three months. Yes. And I committed to the end game Captain America hot toy. I haven't let my wife know this yet, but <laughs> it, it will be entering the nerd room. I secured it with Marty with a comic book man or a comic book guy, I should say. And I'm super pumped about this thing. I went on, I did a little, another scroll through on sideshow and all that. Got myself stoked up. It, it's, it's the right move for me. I think mm. it's, uh, you gotta have it. I, I have to. Right. And, and Carlos, I know you're picking this up too, along with the Iron Man and it, I'm super stoked about it. The price is right. It's fair. It's, it's going to be here. I'm going to get it and we'll do unboxings, whatever. I'm super stoked to get this. I, I really don't know what to expect, to be honest with you. It's hard to justify, I think, the actual quality of these things just from the images. As nice as the images are up on Sideshow, it's going to be a, quite an experience for me popping open that hot toy. And it being Endgame Cap with the, 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 the what do you call it, the, the chainmail armor kind mm-hmm. of. And you've got Mjolnir, you've got the broken shield. Yes. It's, it's just going to be next level for me. I'm, I'm super it, it, stoked does, about it. Does it come with lightning effects too, I think? Or something around the Mjolnir, I, I thought? Or was that maybe just no, effects? I'm not, I'm not sure. I know because they had, when they originally released it prior to the film, or at least the first images, it it had two like hidden things. And one was a right. shield and one was Mjolnir, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that was that was super cool. That Because I, I said to myself, I said, I'm not doing this unless it has those two. Like those are yeah. two significant parts of the character in that film and they have to be a part of it. And then, yeah, of course, they, here they are. And so there it is. It's locked mm. in. I believe that was one of my nerdier resolutions for last year, <laughs> for 2019. So year late, but but we're in. If this is the year I'm going to do something like this, why not? <laughs> oh, you're Rick. next. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle has to get that Ahsoka, man. Yeah, he does. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Kyle. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And then my last thing was the Kijiji pickup. And and funny enough, the same guy that Troy bought that Captain America off of, he also had from the three-pack, the 10th anniversary three-pack, the Thanos. And to be honest with you guys, it, it's interesting because we're talking about this five-pack very quickly here, the Amazon or the, uh, the Hasbro released here. It's an Amazon exclusive. But when they released this 10th, 10th anniversary stuff, anything that had recently been out, like the Thanos or the Hulkbuster, the Ultron, and a few other figures that were basically repacks to a degree, I thought to myself, I don't need those. Um, I, I, they're, they're figures that build the figures. I'll get the villa figures and be done with it. And then I got the Hulk off Kijiji and a few others. And I'm like, wow, these are very different figures. And what I'm quickly learning here is that it seems the first release of MCU figures for any film is almost like the concept art figures, right? Where you get what Hasbro was delivered partway through production you got the gray, you remember the gray suit Avengers, right? That actually turned out to be white and red suits in, in Endgame. And what this Thanos is that from this three pack, Doctor Strange and Iron Man three pack, it is an unbelievable figure. Like I did not appreciate how much better this was than the Build-A-Figure and how good this figure is. He's got a nice head swap. He's got the gritting teeth. He's got the gauntlet, like hand up in the air. It's all repainted from the Build-A-Figure to match the purple of Thanos, to get the gold accents in his suit. It's, it's such a far superior figure that I had to pull the trigger. And it wasn't until really I got in hand that I really appreciated. And it's, it's funny enough, you know, uh, on the hunt, on the Kijiji hunt especially, is you have odd encounters, right? You know, you're, we're out chasing these figures and all that. And so I pull up with my whole family in the van. And my wife looks at me and goes, eh, this kind of place looks kind of sketchy. 
He's like, yeah, it's fine, man. He's just going to come out and give me the figure, whatever. The guy saunters out with a box full of figures, not just with my figure, but with a <laughs> box full of figures and just doesn't say a word to me and sticks his arms out with the box of figures. And I say, hey, sorry, dude, can you just put it on the ground and take a step back? I said, I'll leave the money in the box and I'll grab the figure. I said to myself, like, why don't you just bring the figure out in a plastic baggie or something? <laughs> why are we doing the exchange this way? Because I didn't appreciate I didn't appreciate what Troy had said until I had this experience. So we were talking in the DM about this figure or whatever and that he bought. Then we figured out, oh, it's from the same guy. And he says, oh, I saw the Thanos in the box. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what does that mean? I figured he had a bin out front and you just open the bin, take the fig, drop the money in like some people do. But no, it was just literally a box full of figures. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking that I'm sitting there panicking. So I'm like, I want this guy far enough away from me. And I'm thinking like, how many, like he had one head swap. I said, and I looked up and I was like, did he have any other accessories? Like, cause it's all mixed in this box. <laughs> and so it turned out it was all fine and it's all good and all that, but it's just an odd experience. And the guy didn't say a word to me. Didn't say thanks. Didn't say see you later. Nothing. Didn't greet me. No. I don't like, was your experience the same, Troy? It's the same. It's been the same, man. I bought, um, <laughs> I bought an Obi-Wan Kenobi off this guy. I bought a uh, Bespin Luke from the, the original <laughs> black series off this guy. And now I bought my Captain America. So I've had three exchanges with this guy. And um, I think I might have had a high once out of all three. <laughs> so uh, he's, he's yeah, a different he's... cat, man. But I mean, he, he has some killer scores. But um, uh, yeah. I, I don't know where he's getting them on. from. But... I don't know where he's getting from. But he's I, but I agree telling you to put that lotion on your skin next time you go pick up a figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I hear you completely what you're saying with the, um, with the repaints, with, with Marvel Legends especially, where it's like, you know, they get the concept art of, say, like the, um, the time jump suits in Endgame. Yeah. And then it comes out early and we get it and it's gray instead of white. And um, it's really cool that, um, you know, they do actually get to work on it later and make it better once the concepts become true, uh, more accurate. And I've noticed that especially, you know, with the um, with the Fox line, because obviously the Fox films are absolutely complete. They're absolutely mm-hmm. done. The costumes that you see in the movies is what you get. And so when they're making these things like the, the Wolverine or the Magnetos, whatever you have you from the Fox universe, they look like extremely good, these Fox toys. And it's all because kind of like what Tim was saying here is that basically once you have that final product, they can really just go in and make it as accurate as possible. And so with that Thanos the second time around, it's, he looks killer, man. He looks great. Way looks better. Great. And I and I kind of have come to some terms with this because the Children of Thanos 5-pack was released by Hasbro. Kind of dropped out of nowhere. It's this Amazon exclusive 5-pack for 120 American, which is an unbelievable price for these five figures. Now, they're all technically re-releases, but they all have these updated paint apps and face sculpts they've done the photo realization on each of these individual characters so you get call of city you get ebony ma you get corvus glade you get proxima midnight and you get another thanos now the thanos in this pack is the exact thanos that we have here but he comes with the crispy arm and the crispy face from the end snap and so that's kind of a cool upgrade the the biggest upgrade other than that thanos is the call of city and he comes with the film accurate armor. He's got kind of that Captain Marvel band along the waist. You get a nice update of Proxima Midnight where her face coloring is correct. And the Corpus Glade looks pretty similar. And the Ebony Maw has a lighter paint app to it. He's, he's a darker gray in the original figure from the single pack. And so this goes to show you, and some people could get frustrated with this. And I've noticed a lot of people on the Marvel Legends Facebook groups and even on Kijiji are starting to dump these figures. 
these builder figures because they're going to trade up for the the more advanced and the better figures that are coming in this five pack. But the way I'm rationalizing this in my head that I need both <laughs> is I've said, okay, this is going to be the concept art run of these figures. And then I'm going to get the five pack for the actual film accurate side of things. And so I'm hoping and fingers crossed, I can pick up the rest of these build a figure pieces for a lot less than they would have been. Cause even for the Thanos, I got the guy down 18 bucks from the original price. Cause I just dropped, well, the five packs coming. I said he had it up for, for 60 and I think I got it for 42 or something like that or 40. I can't remember, but I got him to drop it down quite a bit because I just said this new stuff's coming and he wanted to dump this stuff. And so I think with all of this and particularly we've seen it with Marvel legends with the, the venom mm. and the Kingpin and all that, these builder figures do get repackaged down the line. And so I think the days of really hunting hard for the random six characters that you don't want for the build a figure pieces might be coming to an end unless you're like me and you're crazy and you want to now do this concept art sort of thing. And I have this goal of having every single Marvel legend ever made from the MCU. And so I need to finish this stuff off, but it's nice to see it advancing and, and Marvel going back to the well and, and to update these things. Yes, it is an easy bit of cash grab because they've got the sculpts, they've got the molds, they add a bit of paint and a little bit of detail and boom, you got a brand new figure that you can charge 25 to 30 bucks for. But ultimately, I like it. I, I think it's cool that they go back and update and tweak these things and, and make them better for us. And uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun still going out there on the hunt. So it's, it's going to be interesting that hopefully that thing crosses over to Canada. Even if it's 150 bucks, you're talking 25 bucks per figure. You're already below retail. And these are massive figures most of the part or for the most yeah. part for, for Thanos and, and Cole Obsidian and that. So very, yeah. very cool to see that, that coming out. I'm very excited to, to get in that. So, all right, guys, that, that was quite a hefty. That was almost an hour long. It was like a month of nerd. It was, and that's because you didn't get to talk two episodes ago, and you weren't here last week. So you had a you had a big week, Sonny. <laughs> I wasn't here last week. Are you I sure? Don't think so. It doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> but as you weren't here last week, we did talk about the retro film review. The poll went up, and guys, I won. We we've got a winner here for what could be next week's podcast if there isn't a major trailer or something coming out. And the movies that were up were Super Mario Bros., Rocky, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and G.I. Joe Retaliation. What we try to do with this film reviews is we try to bring the retro aspect of it. We try to look back and kind of keep it into that beyond phase. So going you know, outside of the stars, Marvel and DC that we normally review, but given we don't have those movies coming out this year, we like to turn to the retro film review. And we've been having a lot of fun with it, doing about once a quarter and having you guys, the listeners, choose what you want us to review, whether it's a punishment or whether it's something that you're rewarding us with. That's, you know, the amount of Super Mario Bros votes here. I don't know what you guys were doing, but... Come on, Super Mario Bros. Such a good film. Such a good film. <laughs> we will not be reviewing that. I do think there might be a another... Uh, podcasts that we're closely affiliated with that might be looking into this. They may, may review us down the road. So we'll keep you guys apprised on that. Super Mario's did not win. <sighs> the, the real winner here was Grabs, actually. He, uh, he enlisted the Joe Nation and uh, got that G.I. Joe retaliation over the hump. This was pretty close, to be honest with you, um, with Super Mario Bros. and Rocky taking about a quarter of the votes each. Lost World in, in last place here, unfortunately. 
and G.I. Joe Retaliation taking over 30% of the vote. And that will be the film that we review potentially next week. So that's going to be the next big look back is G.I. Joe Retaliation. Building upon that Joe energy that we saw from Hasbro PulseCon, from those figs dropping, those retro figs, and, and really rewarding our, our good friend, grabs with a with a joe film review so there it is guys yeah. retro film review gi joe retaliation well Super there it is, there it is. congratulations that, uh, grabs yeah he had to fight for freedom when he saw trouble and yeah oh man <laughs> he fought so hard i gotta say man like twitter gang like man you guys are so cool out there but what was going on with those mario votes like yes. yo it's a what? good film man what? like i think i that was blown away like review like shazam's one thing Okay, okay, Mario, okay. Come like, on. Mario, wow. man. Like, it was, it, I bet you it would be so much fun. You guys would watch it and you'd be like, this movie is ridiculous, but I secretly love it. Like, I have not kid, watched it for years. For years. Yeah. It's, it's like, so that I've ever seen it. Yeah. I've seen it on TV. And I was just like, this is like nothing like Mario. Like, the, no. the, the Koopa Troopas with like the small. And Yoshi. The, like, Yoshi and Bowser and oh man, just a misfire. Like talk about a studio knowing nothing about the product coming in, thinking they can improve upon what made it so successful. Like, I don't understand what they were thinking. I have no idea when they like set out to make this film, like let's take everything that's people love about Mario, strip it all away. And we'll put out a film called Mario. They'll they'll love it. What they were banking on the popularity of Mario there at the time. So, well, Mario <laughs> is celebrating 35 years. That's right. And oh, wow. so there is an anniversary out there, but we'll, we'll let someone else handle that review. And we're going to be going for uh, G.I. Joe with the insertion of, of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, that, uh, what do you call himself, the franchise Viagra? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I've well, only seen it once. Rock. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I'm a big DJ supporter, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to reviewing it. Guys, this is going to be probably, probably our farthest departure for a film review from the original Nerd Room focus here and really embracing that beyond. So look for that in the coming weeks, guys, because it potentially could be next week. Depends on what comes out, because the week after we're going to do a prelude to The Mandalorian, because, guys, it's coming. It's coming fast and furious. End of the month here. So we got a lot of fun to have here in the next couple of weeks. But this week, guys, we're going to get down to brass tacks, down to business, and talk some Spider-Man. Spider-Man has been the talk of the nerd world. And not surprisingly, because we are getting all sorts of interesting rumors for what Spider-Man 3 is going to be. And we detailed a lot of that last week with the inclusion of Electro, Jamie Foxx being confirmed by you know viable sources that he was reprising that role of Electro. We threw around some ideas about the concept of the expansion of the MCU or even the Sony-verse or the Spider-verse, whatever you want to call it, to include something grand or something bigger, almost like an event-style film down the road. But all the information we're getting from this is that it's actually going to be somewhat self-contained in Spider-Man 3. I'm a big proponent, a big supporter of them yanking Holland out if they have to into some sort of Spider-Verse, leaving the MCU. But what looks like is happening is some broad alignment between the two studios as to how we can encompass everything and embrace the word of the day in the multiverse. 
everyone's attacking this and everyone's bringing back, it seems, led, led by DC. I will give the full nod and acknowledgement. You know, Marvel might beat them to the, to the theater with it, but it was definitely DC's idea to bring it into overall encompass into the film universe and embrace what came before. You know, you look at the previous 10 years, guys, I don't, Marvel's not embracing much from what happened before. <laughs> at least well, the MCU I, I, there. I just don't understand how, like, both companies, they have different people working, assuming at the company, and they both come up with the same idea around the same time, and the films are going to release around the same time. Like, I'm not saying, like, one copy of the other. It just seems strange that, like, that idea... <laughs> do you think it has to do with the fact that, like with everything going on around the world people are like looking for like safety nets or like going back to like their childhood when they're like warm and fuzzy and they're like man like dc was like okay let's bring back keaton because everyone loves his batman and then spider-man's like oh let's bring back mcguire it's like it's like going back to the safe the familiar do you think that's the reason why we we're seeing that given what we're going through in the world right now or is that just it happened to happen at the same time or do you think one person did it and then one person caught wind, one company caught wind and was like, shit, that's a good idea. Let's do that. So it's kind of like in 2015, 2016, <laughs> when like one company was doing something and the other company was like, holy smokes, that's a killer idea. Let's do the same thing. I think that's what happened. We're being intellectually <laughs> hey. honest about this whole thing. It was yeah. just, yeah. hundred percent. Like, well, yeah, there's no, there's no sugar coat in this. I, I don't like, to be honest with you and yeah, we're not trying to draw battle lines here or anything like that, but there's a concept that's popular right now and that's the multiverse, right? Mm -hmm, it, yeah. It's embracing what came before and even to the point where it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll embrace 66, we'll embrace 89, we'll embrace all of this from that Batman side of things. And it's, it's kind of cool that everything can just exist, right? We don't have to worry about these, these continuity streams that we are, or at least I was so focused on a couple of years ago, but this has to be linear. It has to be done this way. Endgame opened up the possibility, to be honest with you, in, in, many, in many, I guess, concepts or ideas for for the mcu and i think that you know dc caught fire with some of this multiverse talk and the inclusion of keaton and bringing back affleck and all that and and what marvel is going to pick up and run with it i think you know you have both of these companies like the comic books aren't too dissimilar right something catches fire and you you see that marvel transfer over it. and it, it's a business right <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I I don't think anyone's particularly stealing something, but if you see something that's hot, you're gonna run with it. No, oh, totally, totally. Like like the cinematic universe itself, right? Everybody tried yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we had some like the monsters universe, yeah. you know, with like Johnny Depp was gonna be Invisible Man, yeah. and then we had like who was Godzilla. it now? Godzilla, Godzilla universe. universe. Right? Yeah. yeah, the Kaiju universe. The and then, then there's talks DC. of um, there's talks of Twenty One Jump Street crossing over yeah. with Men in Black. Men in Black. Right? <laughs> yeah. so, so that's, that's it, Marvel, man. Marvel, and, Marvel set that. Yeah, yeah. The, the idea of cross like that's not that's not new either, right? Like crossing over franchise, like they've been doing in comic books for decades. Yeah. And Batman sixty six crossed over. Robin fought Kato. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Bruce Lee would have whooped both their asses. <laughs> yeah, and so well, he was like was so like, annoyed at that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the DCCW and Spider Verse and Sony Animation. So it was like the redheaded stepchilds of yeah. of all comicdom, right? It's like Sony and DCCW are the ones yeah. who actually did it first. They, they yeah, else. they pioneered the concept of it in on modern day, if you can call it that, mm -hmm. in present day 
sort of film universes is, is this massive crossover stuff. And yeah, technically DC beat them to the punch, maybe not on the big screen, but on the small screen, having the two flashes, Grant Gustafson and uh, what's his name? The other Ezra Miller. Ezra, Ezra Miller. Thank you. Oh, Crossover yeah. there on that, that CW episode. So it, it's an interesting concept. And we bat around the idea of this being a way to pluck Holland out of the MCU a bit cleaner. It, we also talked about the idea that maybe Electro, Jamie Foxx's Electro, is just going to be appearing in Into the Spider-Verse 2. But the latest rumors, which we're going to touch on in a few minutes, maybe lend to the idea that it's a bit more expansive than we had even originally talked about last week but for the mcu proper version of the spider-man 3 one of the rumors that seems to be a bit more viable at least at this stage is the inclusion of dr strange in spider-man 3 we've seen some pretty key mentor-ish characters be inserted into this spider-man franchise with iron man in particularly homecoming and samuel L. jackson's nick fury in in far from home and so you see spider-man to a degree, not being left to his own device. He, he, he has this support, this mentorship. And Cumberback, you know, coming straight off a of Hollywood reporter, uh, I wouldn't say exclusive, but at least report, saying that he is likely to fill somewhat of that role. Now, an interesting shakeup, an interesting combination, and, and it really starts getting you thinking about, you know, we got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which comes out after Spider-Man 3. Is this a way to link those spider verses together using someone like dr strange troy man looking at the the landscape that we discussed last week with electro and we've got dr strange being inserted this into some form of you can call it cameo you can call it supporting you can call it mentoring role i'm not sure exactly what capacity it's going to fill but he is coming into this in the absence of potentially nick fury and of course tony stark and so Having this character inserted in here, let's just touch on Doctor Strange first. Yeah. What are your thoughts on maybe the idea that it's, you know, Spider-Man 3, were you hoping that Spider-Man got to kind of run on his own here? And having Doctor Strange here, is it just a way to pull in the wider MCU? Is it a way to introduce the multiverse Spider-Verse? Or is it because they want Spider-Man to lean on someone? Yeah, so, you know, to go off here, if we're talking the mentorship of Doctor Strange for Peter Parker's Spider-Man, I got to say I absolutely hate it. Like, I, I don't <laughs> I don't mess with that at all because I've been one to really support, you know, the Iron Man relationship with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Not so much because it's the MCU, but because it's happened in the comics already. Like, people forget, like, Civil War, you had a grown Peter Parker who looked at Tony, uh, who was, one, living at Avengers Tower with Tony, and two, was helping with tech support for the Iron, uh, the Iron Spider-Man suit itself. So, like, that relationship was already there in 2005, 2006. So that, to me, never really bothered me. But now, when you go to Far From Home, and just for Spider-Man to grow on his own, we need to go away from him leaning on any um, MCU Avenger uh, hero. Um, him leaning on um, Doctor Strange, for me, just doesn't really necessarily work. Like, uh, if you're going to the comics, like, for me, it's Peter... The only guys he's really looking up to is Uncle Ben, but obviously he's gone. Uh, Reed Richards, even. And um, you could even go with uh, Captain Stacy. Mm-hmm. Like, those those are the three for me that worked. Maybe even to um, even to uh, Doc Connors, even, I'd, I'd make that pass. Dr. Octopus, I'd even make that pass. But for Dr. Strange, all those doctors, but for Dr. <laughs> Strange, for Dr. Strange, I'm just, I'm not down with that. With uh, Far From Home, I think they kind of set the tone that, 
the the Tony mentorship's over. Spider-Man's ready to be his own man. He's probably at this point getting more close to the college youth of Spidey, which is when Spider-Man really strives to just do his own thing. And he's he's his own guy. He's his own person. He's out, you know, paying his own rent. He's not looking for a Doctor Strange, especially when you go to the MCU. You can look at, like, Peter looking at Iron Man as, like, the big guy out there because that essentially would be his Reed Richards. Yeah. He's, a, he's a brainiac, right? Um, Iron Man's huge. He's the biggest guy out there. But Doctor Strange, not so much. Um, I love their chemistry in Infinity War. And I think that's like one of my favorites. It's in my top four, top five MCU films. So I love the dynamic between those two. But when it comes to that mentorship role, I'm not really trying to see that. I really want to see Peter be his own man. And that's why I liked um, Far From Home so much. I know there's some MCU uh, Iron Man kind of um i guess he's kind of like dependent on him a little bit with the glasses going on and he even looks at mysterio for a little bit too um as a, as a mentor himself but i really did feel by the end of that movie peter parker was mm-hmm. his own guy and for them to go take a step backwards and have him lean towards uh doc strange man it's not working for this guy man it's not working for me yeah at all. It's, it's interesting that you put it that way and far from home was like being kind of the epilogue to Endgame and mm-hmm. the experiences that he's had in the mcu you know going from the kid from brooklyn in civil war you know talking and having conversing with captain america and almost being in in, in awe and starstruck with with all these avengers that he is you know then chucking around with the web slinging right and so you see that that iteration of the character, and you're right, he has evolved through the experiences of of Homecoming and Infinity War, Endgame into Far From Home. Where mm-hmm. I agree, like releasing him out and then letting him do his own thing, and that's why my hope is that if Doctor Strange is is filling a role here, it's not a mentorship role; mm. it is more of a, a gateway into something broader, into something bigger. It's yeah. it's a way that you can feasibly say yeah, we can open up the multiverse here. This is what we need to do, or this is what's happening. You know, we go through half, three quarters of the movie where these events are occurring and Peter Parker, you know, maybe is trying to deal with this stuff and Strange shows up in some capacity to maybe bring in the Spider-Man. I don't know, but I don't think the movie can just kick off and be like, hey, Doctor Strange, I remember I saw you on that ship and now we're now I need to lean on you. I, I don't, I agree, it's not, the way I don't think the character needs to progress. It's almost like a step backwards. Yeah. To a degree, if he really leans into needing someone, right? Mm -hmm. And like the whole Mysterio thing you mentioned, like that is part of the progression of the character. He leans on that character because he's looking for someone, right? Yes. He's looking for the next Tony Stark, but really the next Tony, like it was meant to be him. Him, exactly. And and so it's almost like a backward step. And so I I think that these reports are still quite early. And I I think it, it may be a leap that, Oh, they're inserting an Avenger that is, you know, a bit older. There's been a role that's been vacated by several, by several characters, and he's just filling in that. I'm, I'm not convinced that's the way to go because it just doesn't yeah. seem like the progression of the character. We're at movie three here. We're appearance yeah. six. Yeah. Like, do, do we need to revisit this stuff? I, I don't know. What do you, what are your thoughts on that, Carlos? I'm kind of with Troy the whole way. And like I've said on this show before, like my favorite Peter Parker is the kid with really limited means because he's a poor kid from Queens and he's got to rely on his wits and the spider powers are just something kind of extra, right? So it's like you got this kid who's intelligent and who is trying to do right by his family and friends and everything else. I don't think that we really get a lot of that in MCU Spider-Man because it's always overshadowed with mm-hmm. what they got going on with 
the adjacent characters and i fully understand why that was the way it was in homecoming to really put their stamp on the fact that the character was uh in the mcu now and part of the connected universe so that's cool but then in like far from home you had an iron man movie without iron man in it essentially because like the dude was ever present with the glasses and nick fury and happy hogan and so it's like i was hoping that with this movie we'd finally see peter in that position where he's going to be relying on everything he's learned through these two movies and um on his own he's on his own he doesn't have anybody to lean on and he's got to rely on his his abilities and his own intelligence kind of thing and so it's like that's kind of been eroded and like the coolest um idea i heard for it was when i guested with the straight out of gotham mm-hmm. guys and uh pete Vieira was saying he he had the idea of spider-man 3 being a fugitive movie where basically peter's on the run and he's running from shield he's running from his enemies he's running from whoever and that's going to put him in that position where he's got nothing he's maybe got to look out for aunt may and genki or ned leeds but um yeah like and as soon as he said that i was like oh yeah that's a missed opportunity and as cool as like a multiverse and doctor strange would be I'm more interested in that character driven piece that would be Peter trying to get out of what's like, I I love the fact that you leave far from home thinking like it's impossible for this high school kid to get out of this jam. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But now it's just going to be some like twisty fingers and Oh, look, there's a whole bunch of Spider-Man. So uh, that, that Parker kid wasn't Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, it's one more day, man, all over again. It it just, (laughs) it feels like though that they're rushing towards this for some reason. Like I'm not convinced right now that this movie is going to be the mega crossover event that it's, it's being laid out to be. It doesn't make any, there's no build here. No, this is very out of, out of the, the kind of formula that Feige has, has banked on and put forward. Like, this seems like an event style of film, whether or not you do it inside of the MCU or not is a question, but this seems like let's seed some of these ideas here. Let's cameo Garfield and McGuire if you really want to do that, but that's going to take place in, in 2025, 2026 when we build this spider verse thing, like rushing to the spider verse. Like, why do you need to do that right now? Like, I think the concept is something that I can definitely buy into and something to broaden out the scope and do something wild and crazy after you've had 23 films or whatever it was, 24 films of, of builds to do something bigger is always going to be harder because it's always been about escalation in these films, but rushing the Spider-Man three thing and jamming it full, like you don't have enough time to even explain the concepts that you want to get to by your third act to have all these Spider-Men fighting various villains from across the spider-verse like that is an event that is a film that you can title spider-verse or whatever right Mm -hmm. down the road and this one doesn't need to be cluttered up with all that stuff and like i said i'm not convinced it's going to be i'm not convinced this is the spider-verse live action film it doesn't make sense to me now sunny you weren't here last week but you know provide some commentary around the electro stuff and what's your thoughts on the concept of this live action Spider-Verse and, and even the inclusion of, of Dr. Strange and what you think his role is going to be in this. Yeah, man. Um, electro Jamie Foxx coming back from what I can tell, it's not going to be the same character. He's just going to be playing the same 
character, but not like a from version a of the character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think it fits, man. It's a little bit confusing, but once you get past that, like no one's gonna get that confused at it when they're like, "Why isn't he giant and blue?" Yeah. Like, it's okay. like J. Joe Jameson, right, being recast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ex- still, still, exactly. Still him. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, man. So whatever. I think I think it's good. Like Jamie Fox, I think he's a terrific actor, and he's been getting in terrific shape for that Mike Tyson biopic. So. uh Man, he's going to be still Jack, so a jacked Electro, I'm there. <laughs> um, in terms of, like, Doctor Strange, yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. Like, it seems like, I don't know, like, it seems like the MCU is just like, oh, forget Uncle Ben. Um, yeah. He he never existed. You know, he's too busy making rice or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Low-hanging fruit there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just like, no, man, like, that's, like, so classic Spider-Man. That'd be, like, you know, having Batman and his parents don't die. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, it just doesn't doesn't work. So you got to have, like, that Uncle Ben. And, like, you know, as far as people know, it's, like, he, he doesn't even have that, like, tragedy. They, don't, they barely even touch it's, on it's, it. It's, but it's, like, having Batman's parents die and never, I guess, never really mentioning it or explicitly yeah. showing it. Like, yeah. there, there's, yeah. they, there's clearly a missing Uncle Ben here. And you're a lot younger missing Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. but I, I don't know the rehashing like it's i guess such a critical part of that and i don't like does is the death of tony stark meant to be like the ben the death of, of ben parker i i don't think so I, I yeah just, like, i mean awkward like they do so much mental gymnastics to avoid stuff like when he's like instead of saying with great power comes res- great responsibilities like mm. when the bad stuff happens and you don't <laughs> do nothing about it you, you know, know what though it's kind of your fault and that's why i wear this hoodie <laughs> like, I, man? I honestly think though with the, with that line because we did get it in amazing spider-man one off scene we kind of got in amazing spider-man one and we got into Sam Raimi I think they're treating it like Cap's Avengers Assemble I feel like they're going to tease it like mm-hmm. there's been so many points where it's like he could drop it but they don't and I feel like they kind of caught something there with Avengers Assemble that when we get to that big Spidey moment whether it's him putting on the black suit or whether it's him taking on the goblin for the first time whatever the case is I feel like he's going to have that mention he's going to drop that line I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a flashback to Ben it could and, be that too he, yeah but like, I, I feel like they're building on it yeah, yeah, but it's like when when he finally says it, it's gonna be him recalling it from a Ben moment. I, I yeah, it's. I hope so, man, because it's been like obtuse AF. Yeah, well, yes. yeah. It, like, they, yeah. Like, I agree. That thing. I agree. They never really because they have never done any backstory on this Spider Man, on this Peter Parker, right? It oh. is point forward Peter Parker from like you get a bit on the suit and all that, but. You don't get any mention of his parents. Like why at like Aunt May isn't like she's probably only like ten years older than Tom Holland. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. really, but, <laughs> but like well, the, with you saying that, we, we could be getting everybody speculated for a while that we could maybe like maybe we're all thinking like we're getting the three Spider Man, but maybe since we do have the Jamie Foxx. Maybe we're actually getting Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, but we're not getting Tobey Maguire. Maybe Tobey Maguire is actually going to come back as Uncle Ben himself because he fits that age. Oh, All right, so damn, maybe that's maybe that's what he's one. actually designed for. It. And who better to deliver that line with great power comes great responsibility? That would be like like so crazy. That'd be nuts. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be, oh, nuts. be good yeah. idea. Yeah, be you down should with be that. running the Spider-Man films. I would love to. I'd take all four of you boys, three of you boys, with me, man. We'd yeah. Bring it to the bank. Yeah, bring it to the I bank. But um, to, I always want to play I'm the vulture. <laughs> I'm with you guys though. I, I feel like we're just we're just not quite there, man. Like like I mentioned the last episode, there's so many deep storylines. Mm-hmm. That was a Spider-Man. 
I feel like Spider-Verse is like your last ditch uh, effort. Like you, you, can, you can build that up so much more. For us to go off of what we had with Spider-Man 2, that cliffhanger, to jump into the multiverse, just it's, it's crazy. I could see Peter turning to Doctor Strange looking to, for like a bailout of his identity change, kind of like, you know, um, One More Day or um, yeah, One More Day. But um, I just don't see the multiverse making a lot of sense right now it's like what you guys mentioned it'd be super rushed it'd be really it's rushed. Way, like and like you can introduce it in wandavision and mm-hmm. the multiverse of madness comes out the year after and it to me it's like yeah it's just too much too quick and there's no need to rush to that like you got characters like craven the hunter yeah. and doc ock and the lizard like doc connor's like there's i know they've been done and they want to avoid rehashing but mm. At some point, you have to include some of these characters. And yeah. going back and bringing in Electro and, and maybe a William Defoe Green Goblin, that, mm-hmm. does that make sense? I, I'm, I'm not convinced right now that this is the film that we're talking about in Spider-Man yeah. 3. Like, it just, like, it's like, it's like trying to get to, to, to Endgame without Phase 3. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, it yeah. just doesn't make any sense, the progression. And, and I can see sony wanting this universe but why would they not juice this for what it was like or for what it is like bring back garfield and have him do another film or or him and him and mcguire before holland jumps over i don't know like there's so much crazy stuff you could do in that universe that you could milk this until like i said 25 26 an event style this thing like the MCU did it for ten years. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they well, do in the comics, right? They 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 give you an Avengers big um event comic book like War of the Realms, but then at the same time they'll give you like a spider centric event like um, uh, yeah. what was it Carnage? Uh, Carnage Again? What was it? The Carnage event that we just had not too long yeah. ago. Oh Absolute yeah, Carnage. Yeah, Absolute Carnage. Sorry. So like, and that's the spider mythos too, right? Like you can or Spider Islands going on while like something else is going on with the Avengers, like. That's how they can treat the film properties. Like Spider-Man's big enough on his own that he can have mm-hmm. his own events going on in the MCU present while the Avengers are building up to something big too. It's, yeah, it's, well, maybe know. they're thinking like theaters are going to be like, well, actually, no, they're not thinking that, but uh, maybe Sony's thinking like, well, uh, uh, you know, we need something to bring the people in, you know, bring them into the seats. And uh, The maybe Marvel logo like, does that though yeah. already. Like, yeah, yeah Marvel logo. Yeah, but I mean, through. this is a post- this will be a post COVID world and maybe they're concerned about theaters themselves and capacity issues. And, you know, I don't think they're like, I don't think they're thinking that like for this, I don't think it's like, let's jam everything in and, and get end game style of, of crossover into this. Like you've got black widow, Shang-Chi and the Eternals preceding this, which one is basically a movie that's somewhat out of context in the continuity. And then you got two brand new films that are introducing new new worlds and new characters, new villains, new mythos, everything. They're not going to be doing anything to leverage. And then you're going to jump straight into Spider-Verse? Yeah. Plus, how expensive is that film? If you're bringing Garfield, yeah. you're bringing oh, Tom Holland, you're bringing uh, McGuire, uh, ah, Doctor Strange. Doing, they're not doing much. You could probably get them in with like... That's an expensive film right there, man. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I don't it's... know, man. I mean, I feel like, like the rushing it, like, I don't know, like... You know, if they did build it up, tease it over five, six years, yeah, man, that'd be cool. But like, eh, you could, you know, you could throw it together. Like, think about like Lord of the Rings or like Star Wars. Think about how many people are in that. You could throw you it know, together, like, like Justice League. It'd be fine. 
Like maybe maybe <laughs> Ned maybe well, McGuire and more just show up like it's just Ned sending Peter some emails and he's <laughs> like, Hey, look at these attachments of these like, other guys that might be Spider Man. Yo, man. Videos and stuff and all little, different, like, different, slightly different Spider-Man symbols. <laughs> Yo, man, he got the logos and everything. Lex figured it all out, man. Yeah. Okay, we had to, we had to get the low blow in there. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about low hanging fruit here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, look the the McGuire. And, and Garfield news is, is interesting news and something that we're going to have to to continue to go on. And I think we've, we're all clear about our, our relative wants and desires for what this could be, but there, there's also a, a quite a rich history in those characters. When we, when we look back here in, in Spider-Man, because this, this franchise itself holistically kicked off in, in 2002 with the, the Raimi Spider-Man, which lit the box office on fire, their first film to go over $100 million in its opening weekend. It goes on to gross, you know, something like $800 million worldwide. And it starts this boom. This, along with the X-Men, kicked off this, this era that has led into the MCU, the DC Extended Universe, and the modernization of these films into a... a viable business model when it comes to the box office but also with storytelling with characters with what the cgi can do and actually bringing these characters right off of the pages of the comic books into and onto the screen and and Raimi was the first one to to really do that i think in in a major big way yes you did have x-men 2000 x-men but the scale of spider-man and the look of spider-man changes the game again and then you go into spider-man 2 with the story wow guys this is you know still hailed as one of the best spider-man film of all time and then you then you go on into three and then the reboot and the amazing universe and, and troy you love garfield in that role yeah you know, it's it's unfortunate we didn't get to see that progress, but then this led into Holland making his appearance and then the merging of of Spider-Man from the IP owned by Sony into the MCU and this real explosion and then even leading into, into the Spider-Verse, which is hailed and acclaimed Oscar-winning Spider-Man film. And and so there's there's such a huge history there, guys. So we're gonna we're gonna spend the rest of the episode here just talking about the the best of Spider-Man in film. You know, we, there's so much to choose from here, and there's so many moments that are are defining. Now that this stuff is potentially gonna be recanonized in a way into this MCU timeline, as you know, alternate universe or whatever, as as something completely different. It's it's cool that we get to look back on this stuff and say, hey, it's it's this these these moments these these movies are now going to be included in in this broader scope of of what I guess is going to be the Spider Verse to some degree or the multiverse if you're sitting on the MCU side of things. So let's just throw it around the table and we're going to start off with with Craven here, you know, with with yeah. the Spider Man of the Nerd Room here, man. Let's let's yes, we'll just we'll just round table and just talk about some of the best moments from all of Spider Man films. And we're going to kick it off you with, with Troy, man. Uh, have at it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, um, just off the top of my head, man. I, you know, you just mentioned Andrew Garfield. That's, that's my dude. That's my Peter Parker all day. And um, I got to go with uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1. One of the best things about that movie, in my opinion, out of any other Spider-Man movie, is the fact that they did the best job of capturing the aspect of Peter Parker being a loner. No mm. other film has ever touched that. You know, when you go to the Rami... He had um he had um uh Harry Osborne. He had Harry Osborne, he had Mary Jane pretty much right from the jump. When you go to Homecoming, he has Ned Leeds, aka Yankee. 
Um, he has he has a whole crew of people actually, you know. Yeah, it is. Um, and and it's cool and it works. He even has Tony Stark as like one of his pals in Happy Hogan, right? But when you go to Amazing Spider-Man one, he's a loner. It's just him, Uncle Ben, Aunt May. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's obviously in love eventually with Gwen Stacy, but those are some of the best points, points for me when he even, um, the sequence, when he is learning his powers, some people might not like it, but I actually really love it when they're playing a uh, cold play in the background after he's just had, um, his little flirtation kind of moment with uh, Gwen Stacy goes off, starts skateboarding, where he starts figuring out his powers and they're playing yeah, a cold play track in the background. And Andrew Garfield just embraces this Peter Parker, uh, mentality of his and he just I myself that's what made me love the characters just like this guy's in it this is like you know Robert Downey Jr. taking on Tony Stark's mantle or Hugh Jackman as Logan um, those moments for me Amazing Spider-Man's great um, but it's the Peter Parker aspects it's Andrew Garfield without the mask that really makes me just fall in love with that character and his portrayal of uh, of, of the character um, also in that movie I love love the scene it's one of my favorite Stanley cameos but it's when Peter as Spider-Man is fighting the lizard in the mm-hmm. high school I, yeah. I, I love Spider-Man thrown down in the high school I always talk about civilian clothes this guy goes in and out from his civilian clothes into the Spider-Man costume <laughs> and uh, and he takes on the lizard man and I love it and then we get that cameo of him in the library with Stan Lee and he saves Stan Lee by you know web web zipping the um the, I think the table back and they're playing like that opera music in the background it was so cool that's good Stan Lee has his headphones on it was it, it was it was amazing it was absolutely amazing um the New Yorkers responding to Peter Parker Spider-Man uh, trying to help him out take down the lizard whereas he's I think he's saving the school bus or maybe mm-hmm. is, uh, is it the school bus? He's saving somebody. Maybe he's even saving the kid. Matter of fact, even when he saves the kid and he tells the kid to put on the mask, you know, it gives you powers. And it was, it was really inspiring. And the kid just responded so well, like, this is Spider-Man. And I feel like kids in this day and age look at Spider-Man that way. Like, this guy is somebody I can relate to, but makes me feel like I can take on the world. And, and Andrew Garfield does that all in just these little scenes. It's, uh, it's amazing, man. So, I mean, we can get, I guess we're going back and forth, but for me, that's just one of them right there is. Yeah, the, the, the Parker stuff. The entirety amazing. of Amazing yeah. Spider-Man 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's the little things, right? It's the little things. I could go off the big stuff, but it's, it's just the little things, man, that really just sets the tone for me. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? To be honest with you, I'm going to build on that Amazing Spider-Man love here. It's, it's the chemistry between him and, and Gwen Stacy. Oh, that, that, that The Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, like it's palpable on screen. And yeah. even in the, I guess, less favored Amazing Spider-Man 2, you know, the death of Gwen Stacy in there. Yeah. It's, you feel that because of the chemistry. That, yeah. to me, is the best part of that whole franchise is the chemistry between those. So you feel Hands that. It, it is, you know, it's not MJ, it's not the, you know, but it's, it's going back to Gwen Stacy there. And it, it makes sense to me. And yeah. that is fully captured. And I've said it numerous times in the pod in the past that, that to me is the highlight of that franchise is the two of them. Definitely. The, and it, it's, it's funny because, you know, some of your favorite moments there are the Peter Parker moments. My favorite thing is the Parker Gwen Stacy relationship. Yeah. And we're not talking about, like <laughs> maybe we will, but we're not exactly explicitly talking about him in costume or the villains that are associated with the film it is yeah. it's about the character aspect of it and how well done that is by, by Mark Webb, you know, the aptly yeah. named Mark Webb. Um, <laughs> So it's that. What, what about you, Sonny, man? What, what's some of the standout moments, yeah, a standout moment for, for you in, in Spider-Man and film? Well, for me, definitely my Spider-Man would be the Tobey Maguire one. Um, you know, just the first one um, that really like jumped off my like nerd. I'm like, I remember like seeing that. And then like, I had like a Spider-Man book 
and I would just like try to like draw the characters off that book. I was terrible at it, but uh, it's just like, and then I was like th- t- thinking about like taking a bus down to like a comic shop to pick up comics. Like that thing like really kicked off. Like it came out at the right time for me. And like, so that first film was just like such a touchstone uh, for me. So that's why I hold those films so de- so uh, dear to me. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go to a, a scene that is probably the sexiest scene in Spider-Man. Like and this scene was hot. It was hot, I tell you, and it was, it's raining out, and Spider-Man had just saved Mary Jane, and he's upside down, and then I she's knew like, you would pick this one. Is it hot it's or is hot. it cold? You it's sure it's hot? Very yeah. cold. <laughs> it's hot, man. It's sexy. Like, this is the film. This is the most, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something controversial. This is the most iconic scene in Spider-Man history on film is this scene right here. You, you see anything, you know, even when I go see a th- movie, I went to see a movie, The New Mutants, and my theater played this scene when they were doing like a clip reel of like why you should go to theaters to see movies. They showed this scene. They didn't show any other Spider-Man scene. I'll match you though, but I know what you're saying. I'll match you though. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go scene for scene, but uh, man, like he gives her the kiss and then, you know, it was... It was hot, man. Do <laughs> you need to be on your own for a minute? Okay, I need a cigarette or something. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Like, it is. I will just, give you. It I is just, iconic. Chemistry, it is man. Iconic. Like, I know people rag yeah. on like the Mary yeah. Jane in that film, but mm-hmm. like, look, man. Let's just let's just be real here. You, you're you're human. You have no powers. You're fighting these like super powered people. They just like pick you up. They throw like a bus at you. Like they drop you. 200 feet in the air shit man i'd be screaming and yelling too like i wouldn't be fighting back like what would you do what do you expect of this girl man she, she, and people are like oh she yells too much i'm like yeah because she's always been put in danger like come on but yeah man like that that was uh that was mine um I, i'm sure we'll like go through the round table i have some more but uh i'll let i'll let Car- Car- carlos take a turn while i finish a drag on the cigarette yeah he's he's, he's rocking that spidey shirt yeah <laughs> yeah man uh yes Spidey's second only to bats, man, for, for me. <laughs> Troy and I are like the yin-yang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what? I got to go throw some more love at Amazing Spider-Man. And the thing that embodies all those pieces that I love so much about the character, about being like a, a kid who's using his wits and his just will and whatnot. But what really embodied that for me was the Aunt May scenes. Mm. from amazing spider-man like the way he and sally field played off each other where he's trying to deal with having these new spider powers but at the same time be true and live his life in a way that supports and props her up and she's having a sense that he's got major things going on and trying to allow him to blossom but at the same time keep him safe amazing like from scenes where she's confronting him about his injuries and um, getting upset and he's trying to to put her at ease but not tell her anything to just fun scenes like when she's wondering why all the laundry has been dyed pink (laughs) washing the American flag yeah (laughs) (laughs) I have have to revisit that stuff classic yeah i i love those scenes and you really got the sense that she was a lady who was struggling to just provide for this boy that was dumped Mm -hmm. on her doorstep like man if they had stripped away kind of the franchise Mm -hmm. building from those movies yeah 
and the for whatever reason they decided to chase the richard and mary parker oh, yeah. backstory the and untold Spy. story yeah, yeah like yeah. unstole Untold story of Spider-Man didn't even work in the comic book. No. Wasn't his dad alive? The yeah. entire franchise yeah. around it. Well, but yeah, uh, that that's the unfortunate pick. It's like the thing that we're commenting on here are the subtle moments, the character moments, right, from that yeah. film. And it's the Spider-Man stuff and the world building, the villains that like, and it's like I, I know Troy, you love Garfield as yeah. as Peter Parker, right? Yeah. And and that's the tough part. And Carlos, you're saying the same thing. It's like it's those moments that get you is the character interaction. But it's Peter Parker we've all focused on. Yeah, in the, or, in the love there, and some of those great moments yeah. in in the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. Yeah, and even like the like the Spider-Man moments in that movie are cool. Like oh, yeah. he goes into the sewer and he and he yeah, cool. the web, yeah. like a spider. Oh, love to that. Try and get a sense for where the lizard is at, or um, the crane scene. Where yes, he just kind of has to bear down and take care of business and webs up yeah. his leg and he's been like shot. The, yeah, the, the the good old blue collar crane operators of New York all come yeah. together. That was it was oh yeah, the, the yeah. lining up. Super, yeah, yeah, it was it was charming too. Yeah, it was up, I like it. Was, yeah, it was up the time. Nose, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's no yeah. bent out of shape about New York always having to be a character, but I'm like, yeah. it kind of is. Yeah, in the books, so yeah. Captain Gwen Stacy, man, or Captain Stacy in that oh. in that movie was phenomenal. Yeah. He was great, right? And, and you know, just to add to that that weight, that responsibility of Peter, where he's like his dying wish is like, you know, stay away from her, protect her, right? But mm-hmm. you know, and Peter being like, you know, he's a high school kid, but his his great responsibility moment doesn't necessarily just happen once after Ben dies. It's a learning curve, right? And he yeah. goes back on that. And obviously, look what happens in Spider-Man 2, right? But Man, that same is... thing with the comics. And it's deep. It's deep because there's so many lessons. death scenes, too. Oh, like, it's incredible, man. It was, it was the incredible. S- the slow-mo. Did she hit the ground? Did yeah, she break the her score. neck? Oh, like, I'll, I'm the web turning right into her hand. Like, oh, it's so good. They had held off on that and just like do it the same way and everything else. But if they had held off on a lot of the Osborne stuff in this movie yeah. and slowly built to that finale for Spider-Man three. Like, I think the amazing Spider-Man trilogy would be arguably one of the best trilogy comic book trilogies of all time kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, cause they tried to do so much like they didn't even get that third movie. Yeah. But like, if you had given Jamie Foxx's electro some room to shine and just carry that movie as a bridge movie. And yeah, you introduced the Osborns a bit and yeah, plant those seeds and take your time with it and establish that friendship man a spider-man 3 that closes with the death of gwen stacy yeah in that way in that manner that they did it it was so well executed so good so good so being the hand reaching out for her yeah man amazing and with the clock tower the the homage comic books and everything yeah Oh. oh, so good, so good. So let, let's let's go around the horn here another time. Um, yeah. well, I'm going to go to to Spider Man, the Raimi Spider Man, the original, and I went back and had to rewatch this this fight scene, and it's the end scene, the Spider Man versus the the Goblin versus yeah. William Defoe's Norman Osborn Goblin. Man, is that a hard hitting scene? Yeah. Like the amount of hard punches they throw at each other. Like I'm sitting there watching on YouTube, being like whoa like and you got defoe behind that mask and you got parker with the the kind of the ripped up mask there it's it's a good fight scene like i i remember watching it in the theaters and i remember 
like being that hard hitting, but holy geez, like, and there's something about William Defoe's Goblin that I, and Norman Osborne in particular, that Mm -hmm. I really liked. Like he, when he played that, that, yeah, Yeah. the duality that he has between Norman Osborne and the Goblin there. And he's like, especially at the end there, when he's talking like both of them, like the two sides of his mouth type thing. Yeah. Begging Peter to help him. Well, at the same time, the, like it's it's just so well done. Like that fight scene and, and Osborne, William Defoe, like, like great villain. Like, yeah, maybe the mask and a few things could have been done a bit better, but it was it was the year two thousand two. It was mech suits. It was yep. wasn't like this physical representation of the Goblin that they kind of went towards in Amazing Spider-Man two. Like this was like yeah, this is what we're doing, and here we go, and so. I really like that character and even the kind of the callbacks in later film, later on films with, uh, with Norman Osborn too. Yeah. Really well done in there. There was two standout moments for me with uh, William Defoe particular. And um, one of them, and this is, this must be more all Sam Raimi, but it was when he has to force the, the goblin juice to human testing and he does it on himself mm-hmm. and him and his lab partners sit him down on the bench and he's, he's all hyped up, ready to go all evil, bad guy. And then he touches the metal and he's like, Oh, that's cold. And it, just <laughs> <laughs> it, it always killed me. I just, I, I thought it's hilarious. I thought it's hilarious that, that moment. Um, I'm right there with you. That's, I remember that scene too. That's that gold. scene killed me. Yeah. And, and another great moment is the Thanksgiving moment when he just encountered Spider-Man as being goblin and Peter is dripping blood. And you see Norman Osborn mm. prepping the turkey, about to sharpen the knife. And he's like, where'd you get cut? And he's like, it was a biking clip. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he pieces it all together, who Spider-Man's identity is. But the look that William Defoe gives Peter is pure Norman Osborn. It's, it's incredible mm. what he dives into. So I, that's one of my standout moments from, uh, from that scene. I love it, man. man. I, I agree with you. There's some great stuff in that Sam Raimi. Yeah, for story, sure. Man. What about you, Sonny, man? What's, what's another standout for you? Um, you know, I'm going to go to the end of Spider-Man 2. Like, Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi film, is my favorite uh, Spider-Man film. I think this is just, like, the perfect Spider-Man film. It is so awesome. Doc Ock is incredible in this. Um, Molina, he plays Dr. Octopus so well. And um, to me, you know, the stand-up moment for me, like, everything in this film is excellent. Everything. Like, the train scene, everything. Joel McHale making a cameo appearance in it before he became big in community. Um, But the ending, man, the ending is just so, it always gets to me. It's like Spider-Man had made this choice where he's like, you know, I'm not going to put my friends and family in danger anymore. So I'm not going to like be with you, Mary Jane. Um, And she was engaged to um, J. Jonah Jameson's son. And then, of course, at the end, you know, she doesn't go through with the marriage. And she, there's a scene of her running in her wedding dress to Peter's apartment. And, you know, she was, like, saying, you know, I want to take on, like, the responsibilities with you. Like, I'm willing to, like, take that on. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to, like, be with you, pr- practically, is what she says. And, you know, I'm willing to risk it. And then and, uh, Spider-Man, like, hears an ambulance or police. And then she's like, go get him, Tiger. And then he like jumps out and then you see him like chasing with like the helicopters in tow and stuff in the Spider-Man suit. It's just like such a hopeful moment of you, you watch that scene. Like you go through all this journey in the second movie and then to get to that point and then see the ending and you're just like, holy shit, like he's going to be with MJ. And like, and then when you like know the third one's coming, you're like, oh my God, I'm so hyped for the third one. Uh, we, we know we won't talk about the third one, but like, that's just such a hopeful moment. Like that's kind of like 
like an end credit Easter egg scene or an end credit like teaser scene would be like that scene where it just like builds you up and fills you up with so much hope and then of course the music hits and and like the first two films had amazing music like they were from that time when like movies would have songs that were written for that movie you know what I mean like the first one had um Nickelback Chad Kroger and then the second one had Dashboard Confessionals and man like and I don't know man like that whole second the whole second movie was awesome but like the end scene it was just so cool I remember like watching that in theaters and just being so hyped afterwards like you know because because like so much shit happens to Peter in that second film and you're just kind of like kicked through the mud and then for it to end like that you're just like it's kind of like redeeming you know so that's that's mine it's just practically the whole second movie but specifically the ending nice nice it's you know it's it's interesting that the the focus is has been you know quite broadly placed on both the 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 mark webb and and the Raimi universes here as we're talking about this stuff because there's some really great moments in in both of those films as as much as you know spider-man 3 maybe isn't the most celebrated amazing spider-man never happened never happened but there's still nuggets in there right there's still nuggets of uh, in both of those movies maybe not so much origin though yeah that that character is great oh yeah sandman's terrific in that film like maybe like some of like the big punchy punchy stuff towards the end when he's giant but like that character and his development the origin you're right and like there's some really good stuff in there well, and it's interesting too because the Spider-Man Three video game actually has a different. It gets to the ending, and especially the Venom Sandman team up and Sandman's arc in a different way, and it's infinitely better. Oh, really? Than really? what happens on film. So basically, Venom, they set it up to insinuate that Venom's going to kill his daughter if he doesn't help him take out Spider-Man. So it explains why Sandman has this massive heel turn at the end of. <laughs> The, oh, okay. Of the, of the story of the movie or whatever, because he's kind of a good guy through the whole movie, just trying to yeah. get right by his daughter, and he's almost a victim of the symbiote Spider-Man. And then at the end, he's like just this menace that needs to be taken out, and it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, it's like we need a third act villain here, a team up. Totally. Like, how yeah. do we? Yeah, and I love your term heel turn. Like, it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in the in the video game, they actually have a sequence where it's like venom they have that alley conversation but in the alley conversation he makes it implicit that he's like yeah i'm he either has kidnapped the daughter or is going to kill the daughter if the Mm. sandman doesn't help him deal with spider-man kind of thing so yeah it was uh (laughs) it was i I think there was something there with spider-man 3 but just got lost (laughs) in the sauce and it's like and correct me if i'm wrong is it the first like proper trilogy closeout film in the modern era. Like I think Blade happened a bit before, didn't it? Oh yeah, maybe, yes. Blade yeah. Trinity. Blade and Blade, maybe Blade. did. Yeah. 2006 would have been uh last stand as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I guess we, yeah. we've seen yeah. some suffering on, on that part <laughs> mm-hmm. and this overinflation because none of these things really get over that hump mm-hmm. into that fourth film. And it's often because of the, the suffering of, of one of them. And particularly the last one seems to be the, the major issue. But, mm-hmm. but Carlos, why don't, you, why don't you close this out here? And then we'll just maybe do one more whip around of, of just, you know, celebrating Spider-Man here. But is there a particular moment that you, that you want to highlight? 
Yeah, man. You know what? I'm going to throw some love at uh, the oft-maligned, but I don't know why, Tom Holland Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the sequence when he finishes school and he puts on the Spider-Man suit and he's, he's stuck being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I freaking yeah. love that. Like, I, love, I love him like catching the guy who steals the bike, yes. getting the churro <laughs> bought for him by the yeah. lady. Yeah. <laughs> it's my car. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the bodega guy asking him to... <laughs> to do a backflip like, yeah. it's just awesome I, I i love that scene yeah. and the the mu- the ramones playing in the background like that's good spider-man music sanjay that's, uh, <laughs> oh like man dashboard? dashboard confessionals vindicated come on that is a classic it's very of the era <laughs> yeah so good so good hey, uh, it's, if it's, you it's, were a teenager in 1994 that was the bomb yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because you have this these precedent-setting Spider-Men as, as you preceding Holland, right? And, you know, Peter Parker ha- has been done really well in The Amazing Spider-Man and arguably Spider-Man's been done really well in the Raimi stuff. And then you've got Holland coming on here. And I, I love this guy as, as Spider-Man and all-encompassing here. I think he hits, to me, he hits both sides of it where he is a good Peter Parker and he's a good Spider-Man as well. I definitely agree with that. Like I think is just the pure version of the character, like mm-hmm. backstory stuff, notwithstanding just yeah. the way he plays those two roles. Totally. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's, it's so interesting to see this character develop inside of an established universe, right? Cause the previous characters, we've got him building his own universe and, and really much that character that that you guys commented on about being left to, to his own devices and having to fend for himself and grow and evolve more or less in a silo to a degree, right? They do have some supporting cast, but Holland is the first one that's basically inserted where he has the mentorship. He's got Captain America here and he's kind of inserted directly into the comic book universe, which is which has been really cool to watch him change and evolve in that and yeah i know there's some people that that do have issues with that it's so iron man focused and you know his villains come from iron man and this that and the other thing but i think ultimately my in my opinion this is again just my opinion holistically i think it's the best spider-man we've seen um from start to finish there's yes stuff precedes it is aspects of it are good but this is a character that, you know, from that first trailer when we saw him catch the, the cap shield, which, you know, just bought me in. Like, I bought in right away to that. Like, I loved it. And having it introduced in Civil War was just, it was great to see that character in that film, given mm-hmm. how important he was for that comic book run in 06, 07. It, it's having him in that made sense. And I'm happy yeah. that they were able to make that work because without that character and that it still would work just fine right you just would have had more black panther but i think it was a, a nice way to introduce the character and the fact that they're able to do that it, it still blows my mind in a movie where they introduced black panther and then also had civil war on top of it right like yeah, yeah. it's crazy they're able to execute that so closing statements here guys let's yeah. let's i'm gonna talk to you uh if i'm gonna go to sunjay first i'm gonna let troy close this one out um, okay. so Sunny okay. man, final, final thoughts on Spider-Man on film. Man, Spider-Man on film. I think next to Batman and Superman, he's probably been the most successful character on film. Um, he's spanned about twenty years, and uh, that he included like an animated film, and he has like the TV shows as well. So, man, Spider-Man on film has been it's been a ride, and um, I'm excited to see where they take this character next. And um, I, you know, 
yeah, there's been some stinkers, but uh, there's been some really powerful moments in the in the Spider-Man universe. So, to me, I really, really dig this character. Um, what can I say? You know, it's 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 been uh it's been a ride. It's been a web sling. So, I'm excited to see where they take him, and uh, I've really enjoyed where they taken him so far. So yeah. I'm just gonna just gonna leave it at that. Um, you know leave it at that and hopefully macy gray comes back and uh, does another performance because the world needs more macy gray <laughs> well it, it's interesting not the macy gray comment but the kind of wild ride because given the way the world's going right now it could be somewhere close to the 20 year anniversary of spider-man by the time we actually get to see spider-man 3 it's slated yeah. for december 17 2021 but i don't know how solid the 21 stuff is right now and if this gets pushed out just six months or so, it's a 20-year anniversary of, of Spider-Man on the big screen from 2002 to, to potentially Spider-Man 3 again. And, and so it's, it has been a ride when you think about it. We've been with this character on film for almost 20 years, which makes me feel quite old. <laughs> so, <laughs> Carlos, speaking about old. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would uh, bet the show about low-hanging fruit here, man. Um, but what like, closing statements on on Spider-Man and film here? Oh yeah, like it's great. Like they've always done a pretty decent job, and even like the worst films have stuff to love. For every moment of mm-hmm. Tobey Maguire crying and awkwardly reciting poetry, there's <laughs> a scene like him fighting on the train with Doctor <laughs> Octopus, right? Amazing. So, um, yeah, there's always something to love. There's like even when they're not done bad, like I- I'm an easy lay for anything Spider-Man. Like if it's just <laughs> the dude looking cool in the suit, jumping around and swinging, it's yeah, I'm all in kind of thing, right? Like my mom always like when people ask me how the latest comic book movie is, like especially something like Spider-Man, she'd be like, yeah, if he just walked on the screen, waved and said hi, you'd say it's great. So, um. <laughs> she's she's kind of got me pegged so yeah i i've loved everything that's come before and i'm looking forward to what we get next like even even bad spider-man is better than no spider-man many other movies yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right try man let's stick with the title theme of the last two spider-man films so bring us home yeah Um, man you know i it all goes back to me Nobody does it like Spider-Man. He, he holds it down. It goes back to the wizard days. I still remember like the whole James Cameron Spider-Man movie with uh, DiCaprio who's meant to be Peter Parker. And I was like, whoa, like this is happening. Like we're going to Spider-Man movie. And eventually when we got the Alex Ross Spider-Man brought to life with um, obviously the um, Sam Raimi trilogy, I was like, this is cool. I'm in. And then we got the first image of uh, Garfield's Spider-Man looking like he'd just been roughed up without the mask, walking down the alleyway. Super excited for that reboot. And for me, uh, for the most part, it delivered. And then we got Tom Holland, man. And this guy, he, he killed me, man. It's uh, Homecoming. You already know what it is. My favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. I watched the thing nonstop. When he go to Tom Holland's Spider-Man when he's first introduced, like Tim mentioned, with that shield. Hey, everyone. It was incredible, man. That airport scene was one of the best things I've seen on the big screen. To see what we've had in Winter Soldier, how threatening and how powerful Winter Soldier was to take on Cap and Falcon and Black Widow. And along comes a spider who takes down Falcon and Winter Soldier. 
with ease yeah. and he's a 16 year old kid just goes to show the power that spider-man possesses the potential which goes back to the Ditko days of they're always hyping up like this kid could be somebody he's gonna be someone and and they channeled that man um sunny you know i, I mentioned um a scene that can match that kiss and it's it, to me it comes down to uh the train scene where he's doing the whole website the whole web like slowdown and we've seen it emulated in movies and games. Uh, we've seen it in the Spider-Man PS4 game, obviously. And we saw, you know, Tom Holland himself yeah. who were on, um, on the boat, which is another fantastic, amazing scene. Um, there's so much goodness in just the Homecoming movie. Spider-Man obviously saving, uh, well, saving himself when he digs deep in himself. And it channels that classic comic book where he's mm. basically holding that rubble and the water's going over him. And that's the scene I thought you were challenging. Sunday that's with. the scene right there, man. And, that's and you know, good people, scene. that is a good scene. It's an amazing scene. And people can say what they want about like the Tony Starks basically, you know, carries that movie. But it, it's really no. not. It's Peter that no. does it himself where he digs deep into himself to do it. And uh, at the end of the day, that movie, no costume, no power or no, no Tony Stark power. He holds it down and defeats Vulture all by himself. So that movie, you know, there, there's so much goodness coming out of it. Every action scene in that film is a standout to me. And uh, the franchise, man, Spider-Man itself, in my opinion, it's done it the best. I mean, out of all these movies from Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and then Far From Home and Homecoming. I mean, of all those films, maybe two of them were stinkers, which was Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man 2. And you can still pick some you know, gems out of there. I don't think any other heroes really done it that well. So uh, I'm excited to see where this, 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 this saga continues. Hopefully we do get a return of some of the classic Spider-Mans like Sam Raimi's universe and uh, Mark Webb's universe. But all in all, man, I'm, I'm totally in. I love where we are. It's great times. Whether you're a Cap fan, a Bat fan, or a Spider-Man fan, we're pretty much all covered, man. So uh, yeah. It's a great episode. I just, I just love talking Spider-Man. I could do it all day. All yeah. Day. Custom <laughs> built for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 no doubt. <laughs> Yo, guys, this has been an absolute bust. Yo, getting through some Spider-Man, talking about Spider-Verse and what could potentially be next, but also respecting and revisiting some of the stuff from the past that really shaped and formed this character on the big screen. So a lot of great stuff to come, guys. And a lot of great stuff to come here in the Nerd Room. We've got quite a busy end of the year We've got potentially, and I think our retro film review, which is going to be G.I. Joe Retaliation, next week, unless something crazy in the nerd world happens that demands our attention. Then after that, we're going to have the prelude to The Mandalorian because we're going to be on the doorstep of season two of The Mandalorian in just a few weeks. We're all very excited for that, getting ramped up. Sanjay is maybe getting that subscription to Disney Plus so you can review it with us. No, I'm like, I'm going against Disney Plus because they don't like theaters, so... (laughs) Disney well, you you're missing what? out brother I'll tell you it's <laughs> gonna suck. be a hell of a time reviewing that episode because that will be out of the gates the thing we are reviewing here and hopefully we can get in hand those Beskar Mandos so we can act out some of those scenes with mm. with the child and and oh which is what's coming next I, I am very excited for for Star Wars here especially mm. getting into the cold winter months here up north north of the border in Canada so we got a lot of fun stuff coming here guys and of course you know we're barreling down to the end of the year we've got year in review coming up we've got all sorts of of toy related things get vocal in a couple weeks guys october 23rd i believe we landed on we're going to be talking about holy girl collectibles so make sure to look out for that prep for that take that that time say to the sponsor bring them along and join us on the live stream talking holy grail collectibles so again it's something that we're really looking forward to we like revisiting 
those toy talks. It's a lot of fun. It's something that everyone can connect with and it's great to interact with you guys on the fly while doing a podcast. So lots of fun stuff here in the nerd room guys, but we got to wrap this one up. So with all that being said, if you want to be a big part of the show, you can email us at the nerd room at gmail.com. Find everything we do over at the nerdroom.net. And as Carlos mentioned early on, the nerd RM on Instagram. There's lots of pics going up there. You can chronicle or you can follow in chronicle along with Carlos, the Batman, the great openings of the Batman figures we're seeing from McFarland here. And we're going to continue to press there. And that's really where you're going to find the hunt stuff. You're going to find the figure stuff. So head over there. I guess whenever you have the opportunity and uh, guys, you know, that, that really, really wraps it up for us this week. And I guess one last thing, shout out to Rob Wade for endorsing this podcast over morsely14.com. Let's go over there and check out everything that he is doing presently. And I guess either retro film review or big news item, guys. We've got something exciting next week for you. So until then, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Batman. And I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Be safe. Wear a mask, and thank you very much for entering the nerd room.
Spider-Man says, <laughs> if you got a swing, wrap your thing. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to edit that in as a stinger. Oh, man. Oh. Wow. That happened. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm definitely putting, wow. cutting that, and I'm going to spend the time and put that in at the end. <laughs>